At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the campfire, the only place where friends and strangers alike sit down and tell tales in truth or fiction in exchange of my blessing of their safe travels. Allow me to relight the fire while you relax and listen. Make your mind wander about the reality we live in. The story I'm about to tell you is from a traveler named Hathar Huge LB. He called this experience, I need your help. I think I'm going insane. Please allow me to tell you his tale. Everything I'm about to tell you really happened, but no matter how many times I play it over in my head, it still seems crazy. Like my own mind is playing tricks, trying to terrify me. Despite what my rational brain tells me, I can't help but feel that the conclusion I've reached is the right one. I guess what I'm looking for here is someone to tell me I'm wrong. Some confirmation that I'm just being paranoid. God, I hope that's the case. You can call me Teddy. I grew up near Boston, Ma, but I'm currently a sophomore at Stanford. My college experience kicked off great, by which I mean, it was all online. Fucking COVID. Despite the unfortunate circumstances, I was able to make a few friends, fellow cardinals who were, like me, e-learning from Boston. Let's call them Jay Setti and Jamie Boone. When Stanford gave us the go-ahead to return to campus this fall, the three of us decided to room together. The first three months of the school year were pretty typical, or as typical as they could be in the middle of a global pandemic. Then Thanksgiving rolled around. It's a short break, not worth returning all the way to the East Coast. So Jay, Boone, and I all decided to road trip to Yellowstone. Instead, Boone's girlfriend, Jamie Slater, decided to tag along, too. After loading up on snacks, the four of us piled into my old Subaru and headed off for Wyoming. Believe it or not, I've never been a big road trip guy. Growing up on the East Coast, most things were an Amtrak right away. And we flew for everything else. Slater, who was from Chicago, was the expert. She taught us road trip games like bug spotting and Battle of the Bands and emceed rounds of I Spy. And 21 questions. Jay and I took turns driving, while Boone was in charge of the music. Nine hours in, and somewhere in Idaho, spirits were high. That is until Jay tapped me on the shoulder with a concerned look on his face. Looks like there's a storm warning, he said, showing me a weather report on his phone. Came out of nowhere. I glanced at the navigation system. We're still five hours from the lodge. Do you think we can just drive through it? It looks pretty serious, said Jay. They're expecting more than a foot of snow. Well, if we stop, we'll just be snowed in. Right. I heard a throat clear in the backseat. Our road trip expert had an opinion to share. We should break, said Slater. You two have been driving for long enough. Anyways, there's plenty of time. Let's just find a place to hunker down for the night and resume driving in the morning. I relented and directed Jay to search for lodging. There were no hotels nearby, 
but Jay found an Arab ten miles down the road. He made a reservation just as the storm began. Now, as I said, I'm from Boston. I'm used to snow, but I'd never seen so much of it come down so quickly. It felt almost apocalyptic. My visibility went to near zero almost immediately, and I could feel the tires sliding underneath us. The skid warning on the dash lit up, dangerously orange. I gripped the steering wheel tighter, trying to maintain control, my palms dripping with sweat. It was deathly silent inside the car. Everyone could feel us going into a fishtail. Hold on, guys, I groaned, straining with the wheel. Finally, the car righted. I stopped, panting. Everyone okay? I asked, nods all around. Still, the tension hung thick in the air. Hey, Slater, I said. I spy, with my little eye, something big and white. The storm, she asked. Nope, he's sitting right next to you. Fuck you, dude, said Boone, and all of us burst out laughing. I turned on my hazards and proceeded slowly to the destination. We almost didn't see the house from the road. It was Slater's keen eye that saw the glint of the mailbox, telling me that we'd arrived. The house was a mid-sized, single-floor cabin located on the edge of a pine forest. Snow had already piled high on the roof. There was a gravel driveway, and I eased in. You sure this is the place? I asked, putting the car in park but leaving the key in the ignition. Something seemed off to me, but I couldn't put my finger on what it was. Exactly. It was like stepping into an electric field, a freesaw of energy making the hairs on my arms stand up like little soldiers. It matches the picture on Arab, Jay said. Come on, I'm freezing. We unloaded our luggage and knocked on the door. Two people answered. They were both white, each of them no younger than 80. The woman was short and hunched, with a pair of spectacles resting on a chain around her neck. Her husband was tall and wiry, with dark, searching eyes. There was an oxygen tube snaking down from his nose and into a canister he held by his side. Welcome, croaked the woman. We're the Halsteds. I'm Maeve, and this is Julian. Please, come in. We entered the house. It smelled like old people, a faint, yet noticeable mustiness. Make yourselves at home, said Maeve, and Jay and I carried our bags to the windowless bedroom that the four of us would share. There were two queen-sized beds with an attached bathroom. I'll let you get settled, said Maeve, her footsteps retreating back to the living room. What do you think? Jay asked the group. It's not the Ritz, that's for sure, said Boone. But it's fine for the night, said Slater. It hit me, then, how tired I was from driving. I changed into sweatpants and an old hoodie while the rest of the group went out into the kitchen to make some of the craft that they'd brought along. When I joined them in the kitchen, I was surprised to see Maeve there, presiding over a pot steaming on the stove. Oh, Teddy, she said, you're just in time. I frowned. I did not remember telling her my name. Just in time for what? I asked. The hot cocoa, silly. I just made a batch for your friends. It's my own special recipe. Here, this is for you, she said, handing me a mug. Let me know if you want anything else. I'm just finishing up this macaroni for all of you. She turned back to the stove. I'm lactose intolerant, so this much milk and cream would leave me on the toilet for the rest of the trip. I glanced over at Jay. His own mug was empty. Trade. I mouthed, and we swapped mugs. Night fell as we finished dinner, and we helped Maeve clean up and headed to bed. The others were out within minutes. Surprisingly, I was wide awake. 
I listened to the house creak and groan as the storm raged outside. It was like a demon howling to be led into the house. I rose from the bed. Maybe a glass of water would help me drift off. I opened the door and headed for the kitchen. Something stopped me in my tracks. Snow was cascading down outside the windows, transforming the world into a sea of white. I could barely make out the dark tree trunks through the blizzard, but there was something strange emanating from the trees. It was a red light, as bright as a flare, and it pulsed gently, in and out, in and out. Who could be out there at a time like this? I wondered. Maybe it was Julian, but what would he be doing out in the woods? I heard a floorboard creak beside me, and I nearly leaped out of my skin. Julian, I said. You scared me. Julian frowned. He was dressed in a nightshirt, which was unbuttoned and showed off his chest, with muscles like thin rope stretched across his sternum. His oxygen tube dangled like a vine from his nose. I noticed a shotgun hanging from his right hand and felt a shudder go through me. You shouldn't wander around like that, Julian said, his voice low and serious. You'll frighten Maeve. S. Sorry, I stammered. I couldn't help staring at the shotgun. I was just looking for some water. I can bring you some. No, it's fine. I'll just get some from the bathroom. By the way, do you know who's in the woods? Julian's eyes narrowed. No one, he said. There's a storm outside, in case you didn't notice. Right, I said. It's just, I saw a red light out in the trees. Like a flare. Maybe someone's in trouble. Julian shook his head. Just your imagination. People see crazy things when they're afraid. Julian's dark eyes bored into mine. I knew he wouldn't hurt me, but there was something about him that made me feel uneasy. Like I was dealing with a cougar, not a man. I looked out the window. The red light had disappeared dot 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 as if it were never there at all. I turned around. Good night, Julian, I said, walking towards the bedroom. He did not reply. Morning came and the four of us headed to the kitchen to eat. I hadn't told anyone about my encounter with Julian the previous night. Thankfully, he didn't come to join us in the kitchen. Outside the windows, snow was still falling, but nothing like the previous day. We should head back to Palo Alto, I said. Today, what about Yellowstone? Asked Boone. Yeah, we've come this far, added Jay. I looked helplessly at Slater, hoping that she would bail me out. Despite Julian's absence, I got the distinct feeling that he was listening and on our conversation. We can go back, Slater said. A lot of this coming stretch is pretty rural. We don't know whether the car will hold up in the snow. Is everything all right? Came a voice from the hallway. I whipped around. It was Maeve. Oh, I said, unsteadily. Yes, we're fine. We were thinking of heading out today. We don't want to impose. She shook her head. No, no, that won't do. The conditions outside are absolutely atrocious. No, I insist that you stay here until the roads are clear. If it's a matter of payment, I'm sure we can work something out. In fact, you can stay here for free, if you'd like. That's very generous of you, I replied. I looked around at the group. The snow is supposed to stop by noon, said Jay. They'll probably plow the roads in the afternoon. Maeve nodded enthusiastically. It's settled, then. You'll stay here until it's safe outside again. I looked helplessly towards the door, but everyone was already moving towards the couches in the living room. Maeve was going to teach them euchre, she said. Reluctantly, I joined. Of all the decisions I've ever made, 
I regret that one the most. We passed the next few hours playing various card games. At some point, Maeve unveiled an ancient television and started playing a VHS copy of a black and white movie. Is Julian alright? I asked her when she returned from the kitchen. How sweet of you to ask, Maeve said. He's just resting. He was up all night, the poor thing. In fact, I should go check on him. Maeve stood up and walked off. On the floor beside me, Slater was nestled into Boone's shoulder. They were seemingly enjoying the film, Slater tossing pieces of popcorn into the air for Boone to catch like a seal. I decided to risk being heard. Do you guys get a weird vibe from this place? I whispered, what do you mean? Jay asked, too loudly, leaning in from the couch. Quiet, I hissed. I mean, do you guys think that something is off with Maeve and Julian? No, replied Slater. They seem like normal old people to me. Maeve reminds me of my grandma. They're not normal, I said. I went out to the kitchen last night to get some water, and Julian was waiting for me. With a shotgun. A shotgun, said Slater. Teddy, that's not okay. Are you all right? I'm fine, I said. But these people give me the creeps. We need to leave today. What are you four talking about? Said Maeve. She was standing right behind the couch. She was very good at sneaking upon us, that one. Just how much we like this movie, I said. What's it called, again? Rebecca, she replied. By the way, I made you all some hot cocoa. It's waiting in the kitchen. The four of us rose. Slater, Boone, and Jay all took their drinks. Maeve whispered to me, I noticed you didn't drink yours last time. Was it not to your liking? I shook my head. No, I'm lactose intolerant. My body can't handle dairy. Can't handle dairy. She repeated, sounding incredulous. What a curious thing. Still, she let the issue lie. As before, Jay drank my hot chocolate. The storm didn't pass by noon. In fact, it snowed until sunset, and the roads were as treacherous as ever. We still hadn't seen Julian. No need to rush off into all of that, said Maeve. You are all welcome to stay the night. I'm sure the weather will clear up by morning. My eyes were wide as I looked at my friends. Say something, I wanted to plead. I knew it was crazy, but I would rather venture out into the storm than spend one more night here. Jay spoke up before I could. That's very generous of you, he said. Come on, guys. The three of them headed towards the bedroom. I rushed to catch up with them. Jay, what the hell, I snapped. We said we wouldn't stay another night. What other option do we have? He countered. I know the shotgun freaked you out, and I'm sorry, but this isn't San Francisco. They're old, and they live in the sticks, and to them, I'm sure that toting guns around is perfectly normal. They don't want to hurt us, Teddy. I know you're scared, but I'd rather sleep here than risk dying out there on the road. Slater and Boone were nodding along with what Jay had said. Fine, I said, through gritted teeth. One night but no one leaves the bedroom. We got changed and settled into bed. My friends drifted off to sleep while I remained awake. I knew Julian wouldn't break into our room, but how do you know that? I asked myself. Sometime after midnight, Slater began to stir. Boone followed, sitting slowly upright in his bed. Beside me, Jay swung his feet off the mattress and planted them heavily on the floor. Guys, I said, feeling terror rise inside me. Guys, it's the middle of the night. Go back to sleep. Jay stood up. I did, too, and I put my hands on his shoulders to stop him from moving towards the door. His eyes stared right past me, blank and unrecognizing. Is he sleepwalking? 
I wondered, are they all sleepwalking? Where are you going? I asked, feeling my voice rising higher with fear. You didn't hear that, said Slater. Her voice sounded dreamy, far away, as if she were still asleep. Hear what? That voice, said Boone. What voice? Jay this time. You can't hear it. Guys, are you fucking with me? Stop fucking with me. It's telling us to follow the light, said Boone. What light? I asked. Jay was trying to move, and I held him back with all my strength. Suddenly, I realized what it was. The red light, the one I had seen in the woods last night, whose existence Julian had denied. What the fuck is happening? I wondered. I didn't know what else to do. I drew my arm back, and I slapped Jay as hard as I could. He stumbled backward and fell hard into the bed. Stay the fuck down, I said, my voice shaking. All of you, back to bed. Now, it must have been something in my tone, because Slater and Boone seemed to snap out of it, too. They got back into bed and slipped under the covers. Good, I thought, watching them. I leaned against the headboard and hugged my knees to my chest. I was planning on staying up the whole night to enforce my edict. Slater could drive in the morning, if necessary. But, despite my best efforts, I felt tiredness pulling down my eyelids like shutters. No, I thought. Fight it. Fight it. But I couldn't. When I woke up, the door was ajar. I sat bolt upright. Boone was still asleep, but Jay and Slater were gone. I leaped out of bed and sprinted into the kitchen. Jay, I called, my heart in my throat. Slater, quiet, Slater said. You'll wake up the whole house. I almost passed out from relief. The two of them were sitting around the kitchen table, each clutching a steaming mug of cocoa. You're all right, I sighed, collapsing into a chair beside Jay. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I hugged him just to make sure he was really there. Of course, Jay said. Are you okay, Teddy? Yo, I said. I'm fine. I looked out the window. The storm had stopped, leaving pillowy snow covering the ground. I stood up. Whose footprints are those? I asked feeling the fear surge back like a tsunami. What footprints? Asked Slater. Those, I said, pointing. There were two sets of footprints heading off into the woods. Have either of you seen the Halsteads? Jay shook his head. I went back to the bedroom and donned my heavy winter coat. Come on, I said to Jay. Where are you going? To follow those footprints, I said. Are you coming with or not? Jay sighed with exasperation. He went to grab his jacket walking out wearing boons. Instead, it's fine, I said. Let's go. The two of us headed outside, the snow swallowing our boots up to the calf. We followed the trail of footprints as they led into the woods. It was eerily quiet among the pines, as though they were mourners at a wake. I kept looking through the trees, as though at any moment Julian would burst out with his shotgun and put two in my chest. I stopped. Don't come any closer, I said to Jay. Go back to the house and call the police. Jay said nothing. I heard his footsteps crunching through the ice and snow as he ran back. I knelt down and felt the cold stinging my face. Maeve and Julian were lying in the snow ten yards ahead. 
Each of them was partially buried, but I could see that they were naked. I stood and approached them. They were clearly dead, their skin bluish. Their eyes were open and glassy. Their mouths were open, too, and there were wormy trails of blood dribbling from their lips. It almost looked like they were smiling. The police arrived an hour later, two male detectives who interrogated each of us separately. I was the last to be interviewed. I barely remember what they asked. When it was over, the detective told me that I was free to go. We think it was hypothermia, he said. The victims were found nude. That's pretty common in these sorts of cases. The victims get disoriented, confused, think they're burning when they're really freezing. So they strip. It's unfortunate, really. They seemed like nice people. We all got back in the car, too stunned to say anything. It was an unspoken agreement that Yellowstone was no longer happening. We would return to Stanford immediately. Still, I wanted to ease the tension. Hey, Slater, I said. I spy, with my little eye, something big and white. I saw her frown through the rear view. What are you talking about? She asked. I spy, I said. Remember, something big and white. She nodded. Oh, right. Is it the snow? It's me, babe, said Boone. I think the joke is getting old, Teddy. When we got back, it was as though the experience with the Halsteads had driven an invisible wedge between us. Jay and Slater seemed especially distant, hardly ever responding to invitations to hang out or grab food. A week after we returned, I found Boone sitting in the dark inside our room. Is everything all right? I asked him. Slater broke up with me, he said. I sat down on the floor next to him. What happened? She told me she didn't love me. It came out of nowhere. He was silent for a moment. Do you think something is going on with her and Jay? What do you mean? You haven't noticed. They've been spending a lot of time alone together. I didn't think it was a big deal, but dot 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 well. I heard from one of her friends that she was considering dropping out. With Jay. That doesn't seem like her, does it? Or him, either. They have been acting strange since Idaho. I acknowledged. Look, let me talk to Slater. See what's really going on. Boone nodded. You're a good friend, Teddy. I texted Slater that day, and she agreed to meet me for dinner at Tressider Union. I arrived a few minutes late, just after seven. Slater was standing outside, wearing a skirt. I didn't even know she owned a skirt. Slater. I called as I approached. Hey, Slater. She didn't reply. My stomach began to fill with ice. A theory began to form inside my head. No, I thought. No, it's too crazy. Still, I had to try it. I cried out, Maeve. She turned around and smiled at me. The ice was freezing around my heart. Now, I felt my heart sputter inside my chest, as though at any minute it was going to stop beating. Sweat beaded on my brow. Slater approached me. Are you all right, Teddy? She asked, caressing my arm. You look like you just saw a ghost. I noticed myself backing away from her. Just a bit. It's nothing, I said. Let's eat. Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself, listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels and a blessed day.